This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome to episode two of the season two of the Prospect Podcast. I'm Chris Trapasso of cbssports.com. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a daily podcast. I'm going to try to do it as frequently as possible. If it turns into something daily, I think that'll be awesome. Um, and with this unprecedented football season that's in front of us, I think we could get enough talking points to make this multiple times a week, if not daily. Um, the topics I want to discuss today, two early entrants into the 2021 NFL draft class, Jay Tufele, the defensive tackle from USC. I recently watched a lot of his film, and there's a lot to like about him. He was featured in the Pac-12 preview that is now up on CBSSports.com. I wrote it earlier this week, uh, team-by-team breakdown of all the prospects um, that we're not going to see this fall because the Pac-12 is not having a fall college football season, but players who uh, either already opted into next year's 2020 draft and opted out of the season or that were draft eligible. And at the time that I wrote it, Tufele had not officially declared. I think the next day, Tuesday or Wednesday, he announced um, that he will be entering the draft class. There's a lot to like, like I said, about his game because at six foot three, over 300 pounds, um, he has a really athletic style to how he plays the defensive tackle position. Um, Not a nose tackle, definitely a three technique. Um, And I like how he uses a swim move. It's really his only move that he has. um, But to even see some type of pass rushing plan or the ability to uh, counter off the set that he gets from a guard um, is next level. And, and that's what you like to see from a younger prospect. Um, that's He would have been better off, obviously, playing another season um, to advance that pass rushing arsenal a little bit. And there's not a lot of power to his game. Um, but at 6'3 and only 305 pounds, that's what he's listed at, Tufele does have the room to add some more weight and to, uh, some more power to his game. So if, if he added a bull rush, uh, as his primary move and then could counter off that with a swim move, add a swipe um, to kind of knock down the hands of the offensive lineman. I think that would be huge for him. 
He looks like a really good athlete, um, and he's been disruptive in his first couple seasons at USC. I think a strong combine from him. Um, it's, again, really early, of course, and it's hard to peg and project this far out even before the college football season starts for those other three Power Five conferences. I could see him landing in the first round just because at 6'3", with room to grow, the swim move that's pretty effective and a pretty quick first step. I, I think that profile to me looks like a f- back portion, back few picks of round one, um, if not early to mid round two. And of course, the combine, if he blows the doors off the combine, that could be a different story. If he doesn't test very well, maybe he's a second or a third round pick. Um, but certainly a player that projects well to the next level as a pass rusher. Sage Surratt, the wide receiver. From Wake Forest, also declared for the 2021 draft class, opting out of the season, um, which is obviously a huge loss for Wake Forest. I feel bad for that program in a way because they had Jamie Collins. They had Surratt coming back. Um, I said Jamie Collins. I meant Jamie Newman. Um, he transfers the quarterback to Georgia. Um, I think he has first-round potential for sure. Big, physical, uh, great athlete, good arm. Uh, threw through some tight windows last season before injuries not only to himself, but to Surratt and to some other pass catchers really curtailed what that Wake Forest offense could do. Um, and then now they lose Surratt to the 2021 NFL draft. He's opting out of the season. Uh, someone that in Surratt you're getting Mike Evans type of rebounding skills. I'm not going to say that he's the next Mike Evans, um, but at his size and just how physical he boxes out, Um, It is rare to see him lose a contested catch situation down the field. He has good leaping ability, uh, very, very strong hands. If a cornerback tries to knock the football away, once he catches it, he's still going to come down with it and hold on to the football. Um, Has a big frame too, very chiseled, looks like an NFL receiver at this point. He's just kind of slow. He's not going to run. I think if he ran... Anywhere in the high four fives or low four sixes, um, that would be great for him. I think somewhere four six five seems about how fast Surratt is. Even if he was closer to four seven, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, there's some wiggle to his game after the catch, but it's more power based. Uh, play after the catch that he can absorb some contact and continue forward. He's really a possession target that you can use on comebacks and occasionally use, of course, on those deep balls where he's not going to be open, but you have to trust that he's going to come down with the football. Of course, going from the ACC to the NFL, um, he probably won't be as effective in those jump ball situations, but he really is a specialist in that area. Uh, hard to peg where he would go because we just really don't know about his athletic profile. With Tufele, you can tell he's a high-caliber athlete. Uh, with Surratt, you think that he's probably not that good of an athlete um, for the wide receiver position in the NFL, but it, of course, remains to be seen what his numbers are. Vertical, I think the 40, the 10-yard split, the vertical, um, and then the three cone will be big for him at the combine. Um, he's not super stiff. Uh, it's just that he just is a takes a long time to get up to top speed. And I think that will probably hurt him at the next level in that first five to 10 yards, creating separation to really even let his quarterback have the trust to throw him the football when he's blanketed. Um, again, most of the times he will come down with the football. He boxes out really well, even if it's not a jump ball. Even if it's just a dig route, once he gets position, uh, he extends with his arms, 
to make catches if there's a cornerback on his back. Um, so he he really knows how to use how physical he is to his advantage. Say Chirot, probably a mid-round pick at this point. But again, if he trains, uh, maybe even sheds some weight, I don't think he needs to be in the 220, 225 range uh, to run faster and be more explosive at the combine. Maybe he could go somewhere on day two. But certainly an interesting prospect because he doesn't really profile to the type of separation-based wide receivers that are really in vogue in the NFL today. Uh, But I think there will be teams that will want him as a specialist as a rebounder. Uh, one other topic I want to discuss today, it's going to be a shorter podcast. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is rumored to maybe be traded today. Um, Michael Lombardi uh, had tweeted out a, a few tweets or speculation that there was um, a few offers on the table and potentially a second round pick. I don't know if I would trade that much for him, um, but it obviously depends on the type of team that would be trading for him. And it would probably be a contender. If you're the Jets, um, I I don't see the point in trading for Ngakwe in that, yes, he's only 25, um, and he's shown in his first four seasons to be a very productive pass rusher around the corner as an edge rusher. Um, But he's going to want a big contract. And yes, the NFL salary cap... It kind of doesn't matter in that teams can fudge the numbers with accounting. They can move uh, you know, dollars and cents around to future years. But I think this season and next year, more so than ever uh, in the salary cap era, the cap will matter because the salary cap is going to go down next year um, after the NFL and NFL Players Association have agreed to kind of you know take on the financial hit that they're going to have from not having fans. In this, uh, in most stadiums or all stadiums during the regular season this year, um, so the cap is instead of going up ten more uh, million like it has in the previous five or six years, right around ten million per year, it's set to go down ten or fifteen million. So teams will be a little bit more cash strapped and cap strapped um, next season. And there's certainly a difference to be able to pay um, those big signing bonuses up front or roster bonuses from a really wealthy owner. Uh, relatively speaking, all the NFL owners are, are very wealthy, but if you have the cash, that helps. Um, the cap, yes, it still will be able to be, uh, you know, the numbers will be able to be moved around. Uh, but with a someone 26, um, who's mostly a high motor edge rusher, uh, plays with a lot of power, I don't know how advanced his pass rushing toolbox is. Um, but again, he's been productive, so I'm not going to knock him um, in that he's not the most complete edge rusher in the league. He had 51 pressures last season, according to Pro Football Focus, um, which is the same number as Carlos Dunlap, Bud Dupree, and Marcus Davenport. Um, of those four, um, Ngakwe did it on the second most pass rushing snaps. So not a crazy amount of efficiency. And he was playing on a defensive line with Calais Campbell. So that probably helped him. I think if you're asking him to be your number one rusher and your defensive line does not have a lot of other horses, um, and then you're paying him a big contract and you're sending over a second-round pick, I think that's a lot um, to ask of him to live up to those expectations. But if there's a team like, I don't know, if, if there's a team that feels like they're a contender, if uh, you know a, a team in the AFC, NFC, can't really think of a specific team that would make a ton of sense right now that is just lacking that 1B rusher and has a glut of picks or is okay with trading a second, maybe a third rounder. I would be okay with that. 
Um, but there's just a few teams that have been floated out there um, that I don't really think make a ton of sense. Actually, the Baltimore Ravens were a team now that's kind of coming to me that were rumored there was a fake tweet that went out there that I think Lombardi fell for and, and, and thought that the trade went through. Um, the Ravens would make sense because they have Matthew Judon. They they have Calais Campbell. Um, they have the horses up front. They signed Derek Wolf. Um, that you wouldn't ask Ngakwe to be that number one guy who's going to draw all the attention, um, but you would be still sending over a second-round pick, giving him a big contract, uh, and you would hope that this same situation wouldn't happen, that if he wasn't happy with a, a contract extension. I, I certainly think the team that trades for him will be willing to take him on a three- or four-year deal, um, even with this unprecedented situation that we're going to be in in 2021 with the salary cap. Um, but haven't seen anything about a first-round pick. I wouldn't send that. Um, but a second rounder is probably the most I would do, and I would have to be a true contender that probably already has one good edge rusher, some good push from the inside, and just needs that one B or that number two rusher to let Ngakwe really uh, just his skill set and what he's done um, in his first couple seasons in the NFL in Jacksonville be accentuated his talent because um, I don't know if he's a number one rusher. Um, he certainly done a good job getting a lot of leverage. And I think I would probably rather have him than Jadavian Clowney based on the price and that he's a better pure pass rusher than Clowney is. Clowney's a more well-rounded defensive end, but he apparently still wants a lot of money. Um, the difference is you're going to have to trade early draft capital to get Ngakwe as opposed to Jadavian Clowney as a free agent. So, all right, that'll wrap it up for episode two of season two of the Prospect Podcast. Subscribe, leave a comment, rating. Um, Thank you for listening.